The leading cause of death in U.S. hospitals and the most expensive condition to treat is something you might not know too much about. I'm talking about sepsis, which, simply put, is your body's overreactive and toxic response to an infection. But there's much more to it than that, as you're about to find out. Welcome to Aspirus Health Talk. I'm Michael Carice, and I'm here today with Dr. Chad Radke, a specialist in emergency medicine for Aspirus, who's going to be our expert guide on sepsis. Thanks very much for being with us. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to come talk about sepsis. So let's just dive right into it. What would you add to that very brief description I gave of sepsis? Absolutely. So sepsis starts as an infection. It can be commonly a pneumonia or lung infection. It could be a urinary tract or bladder infection. Skin infections are also quite common. So these infections start and then they escalate to a point where the body's response becomes escalated and out of control resulting in weakness as a common presenting symptom, fever, uh, low blood pressure, altered mental status. There's definitely a cascade of symptoms uh, that patients experience when a simple infection goes beyond and the body's response gets out of control and sepsis develops. Sepsis is a concept, as you previously mentioned, that is common in America and throughout the world but doesn't get as much attention as other disease processes that we hear about often like stroke or heart attack, but is just as deadly. So say somebody does recognize that they're in pretty dire straits along the lines of what you were just describing, and they get themselves to the hospital, what is it that you folks can do for them? The most important things we know about treating sepsis are early recognition and early antibiotics. So what we want to do as emergency physicians particularly is patients who come into the ER who have fevers, who have altered mental status, who are generally weaker than their normal status, but don't have signs of what we call an acute weakness, such as an arm or leg weakness, we look for these signs of infection and sepsis. So we want to recognize that early. We want to start uh, what we refer to as fluid resuscitation, because one of the things that can happen as part of that exaggerated cascade of the body's response to infection is the, the blood vessels become leaky and that the blood pressure can go down and the body's struggling to keep up with that stress. So we give fluids and antibiotics as fast as possible to help the body recover from that stress that they is experiencing. So for somebody who's experiencing some of these symptoms, how do you know when there's a tipping point? How do you know when you're really maybe headed for major trouble? Is it just going to hit you like a ton of bricks, the disorientation you were talking about, or is the fever extraordinarily high, or how do you know how much trouble you're in? I think that's a great question. I think as all things in medicine, it's a little bit different for everyone, but I think the main point is it's very subtle or can be subtle for patients. Patients can develop fever and they can be managing that at home with some Tylenol or ibuprofen to control it, but then that they can't get up or they can't get through their home or there's a bit confused. They don't know where they are. They don't know the month. They're talking about things that happened a long time ago. It can go from there to what we call septic shock, which is low blood pressure associated with the infection and this response. And then those patients have a high likelihood of having a bad outcome related to that. I would think the disorientation and the extreme weakness would really be a tip-off that you need to get some help. Exactly right. That confusion, the inability, let's say, to get out of a chair if in the setting of fever or weakness, those are signs that patients should seek medical attention. Are there some kinds of people who are at higher risk for this? Absolutely. The main group we see this in commonly are 
patients who are at the extreme of age, so those that are old or young, and then those that are immunosuppressed or don't have as good of immune systems as the average person. So that would be obviously patients who are transplanted, have transplants, those patients who may be on medications like steroids or other biologic agents to reduce their immune system because they have a different chronic disease, diabetes, people with multiple medical problems. So if you take that as a whole, uh, we really worry about patients who are elderly and who then get an infection and have this syndrome that escalates out of control. And are there certain kinds of infections that are more likely to lead to sepsis than others? So definitely the most common ones we see, particularly in the elderly, are pneumonias and urinary tract infections. Those are, but really any infection can lead to sepsis, but the most common ones would be a pneumonia or urinary tract infection. Is there anything people can do to prevent this from happening? The main thing to do to prevent it is to A, early identify it. So if you have a fever, you should be checked out. If you're starting to feel or have a loved one that's confused or weak, that should be checked out or evaluated by in the medical setting. And the main thing is early recognition, early resuscitation with fluids and early antibiotics. You mentioned that it's not as common as heart attacks and strokes, and that's why people may not be as aware of it as they should be. But just how big of a problem is it? This is a very big problem. It's the most common cause, I think, as you previously mentioned, of patients passing away in the hospital. Again, at the older age, the prevalence of patients who have it are much higher. And I think that is particularly concerning in that the awareness of sepsis in the community is not equivalent or the same as the heart attacks and the strokes. We've had great campaigns alerting patients to signs and symptoms of those of these processes, and that's wonderful. We have not had the same campaigns to alert patients and loved ones about the signs to watch for. Most of these infections, if they're recognized early, are easily treatable in your home with oral antibiotics. But when they escalate, it requires admission to the hospital, IV antibiotics, aggressive fluid resuscitation, and it becomes um, a much bigger process. So I'm also wondering how quickly can things go south here? Is this a situation where you start to feel some of these symptoms, but you've got a couple of hours before things can go downhill? Or is this something that can come on really suddenly and you're in trouble quickly? Definitely. Again, there's a wide range of patient experience with this, but patients can definitely develop an infection, become septic, and have bad outcomes within a very short period of time, within 24 hours. So being alert to what your body's going through and what your loved ones are going through and seeking a care early is the key. So you're talking about people who are gravely ill when they are in septic shock. I'm wondering how effective the treatments are for pulling them out of that. I think there's good data uh, and research that says early antibiotics, aggressive antibiotics, broad-spectrum antibiotics, and fluid can decrease patients' mortality significantly. And I'm going to sound like a broken record, but early recognition, those antibiotics to fight the bacteria that are getting out of control is so important in this process. So we've talked about public awareness being not where it should be on sepsis, but I'm wondering about people in the medical community. Are folks on alert for this? Are primary care docs and others as aware of it as they should be? I think in the past 15 years, there's been a great push. I think everyone knows about sepsis through their medical training, but I think the focus on optimizing early recognition, appropriate antibiotics, meeting the criteria of what we call the surviving sepsis campaign has really become a focus throughout the medical community and providers 
are on top of this. And I, through the Aspire system, I can tell you as the chair of our sepsis steering committee, this is an enormous quality focus for our hospitals. Uh, and we focus on this and having great success implementing uh, standardized care throughout the Aspire system. Well, it's great to know you guys are on top of it and really great to have you here today to provide all of this really useful information about a problem that a lot of people aren't aware of but should be. So thanks very much for joining us. Awesome. Anytime we can help. You've been listening to Dr. Chad Radke, a specialist in emergency medicine for Aspirus. You can check out the latest information at aspirus.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and share it on your social channels. Thanks for listening.